The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. You heard it. The College Basketball Dream Podcast Edition here. Valentine's Day week for the College Basketball Dream Podcast. We're covering the games on this podcast Monday through Thursday, all the top games. And I got to tell you guys, this upcoming Tuesday that we'll, we will cover in this podcast might be the strongest weekday card as far as top 25 teams we've seen this entire season. We're covering all those big ranked-on-ranked matchups and a heck of a lot more. A.J. Hoffman's got a best bet here at the end of the podcast. Sleepy, do you got a best bet at the end? I'm going to make a decision in a little while if I do. All right, TBD to be determined on Sleepy, of course, Brad Powers. Off the 2 don't start on these best bets. I got a best bet coming your guys' way. All the leans, likes, and best bets, disagreements, you name it, and a heck of a lot more coming your way here. This is College Basketball Dream Podcast. He's A.J. Hoffman. I'm Brad Powers, Sleepy J, producing this one. Before we get into Monday's game, and we'll be covering that big Virginia-North Carolina game, I just want to go over a couple basic things because I think we got a couple of new listeners out there that might not be familiar with what the process is here as far as the College Basketball Dream Podcast. And basically, as far as, you know, AJ or myself, we're going to either lean on a game, meaning, you know, pizza money, $20 types of bets. I know 20 bucks is a standard size for a lot of you out there. So just put in perspective, a pizza bet is like a lean. If we had to go with one way, that's the way we're going to go with it. Now, stronger than a lean is a like. A like is a bet if it's at the right number. We like it enough, we'll bet it, especially at the right number. That's what a like is. So uh, it's definitely a lot stronger than a lean. And then, of course, each podcast, AJ and myself and Sleepy, if he decides to, if he's feeling it for that particular podcast, we have one best bet, just one best bet. That is our strongest bet uh, each and every podcast. So I just wanted to briefly explain that to you guys. In order from weakest to strongest, lean, like, best bet aj some thoughts as far as the first couple of podcasts yeah obviously my my best bet last week was a loser uh with iowa state and and really no excuse there and we part of the problem was we missed the number we miscalculated what the opening number would be but this is not an exact science when you're when you're projecting lines for games that are three or four days down the road you know we're we're not uh nostradamuses here and we, we we can only do the best that we can so what we have been doing is giving a buy price. What that means is, and last week with me, it was we thought that the game would be seven and a half Iowa State. I said buy price to nine. The game ends up opening at ten, ten and a half. At that point, it's it, you can you can no longer treat a game that's three points higher than than what we projected as a best bet. I wouldn't treat it as a best bet. In fact, by the by the time it came up. I ended up not playing what was my best bet on the podcast because I never got a number that was what I thought reasonable. Now, to be fair, had I gotten seven and a half, I would have lost it anyway. So it's it's sort of a moot point. My, my handicap was off, period. But I do want to stress the importance of that buy price. That is a that is a factor. And if, you, if you're saying, hey, do you still feel the same way, you know, three, four points up the, up the line, the answer is typically going to be no. Uh, because then, then it goes from being a best bet to being, yeah, I like that. Uh, it, or, or it goes from being a, a like to a, eh, yeah, probably a pass. 
I mean, that's just numbers are important, guys. That's that's all I want to uh, to reiterate. Yeah, every half point matters. Uh, if, if you don't uh, think that, uh, you know, uh, example A, uh, Villanova Marquette, a game we covered uh, <laughs> this past uh, podcast, that a game that point. opened one, what closed two, fell at one. So. Uh, the numbers will get sharper this time of year. Why? I mean, everyone's transitioning from football to basketball. You got a lot of the handle on the individual games is a lot higher. Uh, you also got, you know, more data points. Uh, you know a little bit more about these teams. So every half point matters. I couldn't have said about better myself as far as AJ is concerned. Uh, yeah, if the line's going to move two, three points, guys, I mean, there are no locks to the century. Uh, there are no sell your wife, sell your kids type of plays. We'd like it even if the line was four, five, six, seven points different. Difference between pros and Joes. Pros bet numbers. Joes bet teams. So even if we have a best bet on a game, we'll give you some leeway. If it's a best bet, we should like it even if it's you know a point different. We'll give you that buy price. You know, we'll project the line. And we'll give you that buy price, you know, an extra point or two where you feel comfortable. We'll also do the same. Any game that we like, we'll give you a little bit of wiggle room on that. You know, buy price would be up to this on a like. But again, it's not exact science. We're doing kind of a combination as far as these lines go of Ken Palm, Sagarin, and my own personal power ratings. So not every game we're going to hit, just like not every bookmaker hits every game, right? Don't believe me? Look at the overnights that get pounded each and every uh, day as far as the card goes. So uh, with the Iowa State game, I'll take the blame on that one, AJ. Even though it wasn't a one, my number was short on that one, obviously. And, And kudos to you for kind of picking it off. Because if I looked at a lot of the other games that we had in the most recent podcast, I think all the openers were within a half point to a point. So that was the one that happened to be off and uh, wouldn't have mattered anyway. So any line that's way off, guys, blame me. I'm the one that sends out the projection, uh, the projected lines to the guys. And any closing thoughts on that topic, AJ? No, I, like I said, I, I just want people to realize that, you know, three three points is a, is a pretty big difference in a line. And it, it's something that, you know, you cannot, you can, I know we're doing this on Thursday or a, a Sunday. If, if we put out something on Thursday and there's three or four points difference by Saturday, you cannot assume that it's, it's the same bet. In fact, I, if I were you, if, if I heard best bet on Thursday, at seven and a half, and then you wake up and it's 10 and a half or 11, I would honestly probably just forget about that, that game altogether. Fair enough. Wise words. A- anything to add, Sleepy? Showtime! Woo! Thank you, Sleepy. That's all He's right. really the forget producer. He's the director here. All right, yeah, moving along. Big game Monday night. We start off this podcast hot and heavy here, 7 o'clock on ESPN on Monday. Number three, Virginia, fresh off a loss against Duke. We'll talk about that here in a bit. They are at Chapel Hill at number eight, North Carolina. We do have at least an overnight line for this one as we're taping this one on Sunday. Again, taping the Monday podcast that comes out in your player tapes on Sunday evening, and we cover Monday through Thursday games. And this one, we do have a line. The overnight has Virginia taking some early money. Virginia, a one-point favorite. I'll let AJ uh, lead this one off. Who do you got in this one, AJ? I'm I'm going to lean to North Carolina here. Uh, these are two teams you really shouldn't be looking to fade. First of all, uh, two of the best teams in the country against the spread, both in the top 15 in the country against the spread. Virginia 73%, North Carolina 70% against the spread, and the only team that's been able to beat Virginia is is Duke, uh, straight up and against the spread. Um, 
the 81 points that Virginia gave up in that game. And by the way, they they did have Ty Jerome. So, you know, that was just a – Duke was the better team yesterday. The 81 that they gave up was the most points ever scored against a Virginia team in the Tony Bennett era. Wow. And he just got he just got out coached, and you know I would have too in his situation. Uh, you, you think you, you assume Duke is going to try to beat you inside. Duke hit seven of eight from three in the opening twelve minutes of the game. They averaged seven and a half uh, three pointers made per game. They made seven out of eight in the first twelve minutes, and Virginia just could not adjust. Uh, Jerome played well; it just wasn't enough. North Carolina nearly lost at home against a bad Miami team, which is why I'm, I'm not crazy about them. Uh, they're now 3-4-2 and, and two against the spread at home. You know, maybe maybe they're a little pricey at, at home there. And pace could be a problem for Virginia here. North Carolina, number five in adjusted tempo. The only other team that Virginia's played in the top 20, Duke. And, they, and they're getting UNC on one-day rest. So they go from playing a pace team they just beat them in in their big in their game of the year. They get one day rest, and then they play an even higher pace team, a higher tempo team. Uh, North Carolina, bad rebounding effort against Miami, but they're third in the country in rebounding margin. I expect them to be back on the boards against Virginia. It's a lean to North Carolina plus one. Yeah, you get agreement from me. Uh, although, let me push back a little bit. You really think Tony Bennett was out coaching that game, or? Just Duke, who's a bad, bad, bad three-point shooting, shooting team. team. Just, just had a great night. I mean, no one's beating Duke when they hit threes like that. I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with coaching. Of course, you're not going to respect Duke from the perimeter. They're number. They came into that game number one, three, three hundred sixteen, three hundred sixteenth in the country yeah. in three-point field goal percentage. I, I didn't come away that Tony Bennett was out coached. Well, it, to me, at some point, you know, you, you've got to make an adjustment. Yeah. And to Mike Shashevsky's credit. I mean, he knew exactly what Tony Bennett's game plan was going to be. It was going to be try to stop him inside, and he let his guys go out there and shoot the ball. So I, I yeah, I do, I do think he was out coached. I don't think okay. it was embarrassing, but I, I do think he was out coached. And getting out coached by Coach K is not necessarily a, uh, a something that that doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, I do think that was the case in this one. Fair enough. Well, you get agreement from me. I, I also lean on the North Carolina side plus one. I just think it's a bad spot. You kind of mentioned this. Uh, Virginia off the game of the year, one-day rest. North Carolina, you mentioned the rebounding. Well, rebounding a lot has to do with effort. And to me, watching the Miami game, North Carolina looked like they were going through the motions, probably peeking ahead to this big game on Monday night. They found a way to get the job done in overtime, which would have been a very, very bad loss had they lost at home as a double-digit favorite to to Miami. But, I mean, you look at North Carolina, seven straight wins now for the Tar Heels. They're 11-1 and their last 12 games. I found this stat to be rather surprising. You mentioned a good one there as far as the 81 points allowed being the most uh, allowed for a, a Tony Bennett team for Virginia. How about this? First time North Carolina has been 9-1, and one, first 10 games of ACC play in the Roy Williams era, 16 years. This is the first time all those great teams, couple national titles, first time North Carolina, I think, what, three national titles now under Roy Williams. First time they've been 9-1 in ACC play. So it's a good North Carolina team and a good spot. But from what I've seen, recent history, we talk tempo and that Virginia would struggle. From what I've seen, the last five meetings between these two, Virginia is the one that's dictated tempo. How about this? Even though North Carolina likes the, the run and gun up and down the floor, the last five meetings, these two have combined to average 
the two of them combined 113 points per game the last five. To me, Virginia's dictated tempo. Whoever's going to, if it's up and down the floor, North Carolina, you might have one of your easiest bets of the year. If it's a ground and pound type of game, like Virginia's played North Carolina the last five meetings, then I think that kind of plays in the hands of Virginia. Just a lean on North Carolina for me. And again, the overnight line's plus one. Anything to add, Sleepy? Yeah, I think if you're looking at Virginia here, you've got to be a little worried about their psyche after that Duke loss. If they got a win, they can go and say, you know what, we actually have a chance to go ahead and do something. But judging how the Tar Heels played at home against Miami, obviously a narrow win, they're clearly looking ahead to this game. You know, Virginia's big issue in the Duke game was the fact that they were unable to get to the free throw line. Just six free throws, Duke had 23. I think that's going to show up in this game. They ranked 325th out of 353 teams in the nation at free throw attempts. I think that's going to be a big problem for them here. North Carolina, they get to the line a lot. They rank number 99th in the nation, 35 in free throw percentage. I think that stat area is going to show up here. I think Tar Heel Nation smells blood in the water. I actually like, this is probably the strongest game out of all the games that you gave for this podcast. I best like, bet? Yeah. I, I wouldn't what, say what? best bet. It's my right. strongest Strong play. Like. It's my strongest like, yeah. Uh, I do. I, I like North Carolina. I think this line's going to actually flip. I think they're going to become a small favorite here. So I like North Carolina up to minus two. Let me throw this out to you guys. Would you have preferred Virginia to beat Duke? Because that was my thinking. I'd rather have Virginia off the big win. Uh, if I'm looking to back North Carolina, I'd rather have Virginia off a big win against Duke. What's your of guys' course. thoughts there? Yeah, of course you would have. And and that's why, you know, it, it would have also been nice if you if you wanted to back North Carolina. It would have been nice to see North Carolina blow that game against Miami. But, yeah, obviously if, if you know, Virginia wins that game of the year, then maybe they, they come sleepwalking into this one. But, uh, at this point, there is a little bit of Virginia desperation, I would guess, to to stay in that race, and that's why it's only a lean for me. Sleepy, you disagree? I do. I I just have a feeling that that their mental well being is just absolutely crushed. I mean, they really had to go into that game highly motivated, and for Duke to go in there and do what they did to them, I just have a gut feeling that Virginia is going to say, you know what, maybe we're not going to be able to beat this team, and, and they're projected already, you know, plus 160 to win the title. Maybe they just go into this game going, damn it, we cannot beat this team, and we're just not as good as them. And, I mean, two games in a row that they lost to them, I just have a gut feeling that, you know, it's not going to happen for them, and they're going to come into this game, and they might come in a little bit more flat than people think. But not strong enough a gut to make it a best bet. Uh, I, it's my strongest like at everything right now. All right, sleepy. Yeah. Jeez. I think Virginia's going to be flat, believe it or not. Any closing thoughts on this one, AJ? No, that's about all I got. All right, just Let's recapping it. Let's get to the big day. Recapping it again for you guys here. We do have an overnight line on this game. Lean for uh, North Carolina for both me and AJ. A very strong like sleepy's top play of the games that we selected on North Carolina. So you get a consensus there to take the Tar Heels on Monday night. Moving to Tuesday, and Tuesday is a loaded, loaded card. Four ranked-on-ranked matchups. First one in the Big Ten, number 15, Purdue, at number 24, Maryland. And we haven't had, I don't think we've had one of these in the first couple of podcasts, but we have a crossfire between me and AJ, crossfire. He likes one side, I like the other I'll let the rookie go first. Who do you like in this one? Well, I'm I'm giving you a chance to get back uh, even on the green button bets, but uh, oh, Purdue, ooh, a dig. Purdue, uh, to P- Purdue won this first matchup, 62-60. That was at home. That came during that that stretch we talked about last week, where Purdue was at its worst. The the Maryland win was the only win they had 
in a five-game stretch. Purdue clearly a different team now. 11-1 and one straight up, 9-3 and three against the spread since that stretch. And only one of those 11 wins was by single digits. That was nine at Penn State. Every other win in that 11, uh, 11 of 12 run has been by double digits. Uh, Maryland's two and three straight up and against the spread in their last five. And I, I think turnovers are going to be a factor in this game. Purdue 23rd in turnover percentage. Maryland 232nd in the country. Uh, Maryland's 12 and two straight up at home. But besides Virginia, which was a loss, and the Wisconsin game where they blew a 21-point lead before edging it out in the final minute, they ha- they haven't played anyone tough at home. Uh, every other home win has come against the bottom five of the conference. I just think that that Maryland's been sort of uh, they, they've been killing off the week in the Big Ten while Purdue has really started to get the train rolling. Uh, I, I like Purdue minus one. Yeah, and that's a projected line here. Uh, I'm on the other side. I'm going to like like. That's a like for AJ on the Purdue side. I'm a like on the Terp side. I just think situationally, uh, this is Maryland's biggest game uh, that they've had at least in the last couple of weeks. And, and Maryland hasn't played in a week. Meanwhile, Purdue, not like they extended much effort against Nebraska, uh, a game that uh, AJ, I think, uh, cashed easily on his premium picks. Good, good job, AJ. It, w- it was close, though. I mean, uh, Nebraska hung with them for a half, but then you realize about Nebraska has tickets. no depth. All about cash yep. and tickets there. So uh, no, a couple other factors while I'm leaning on the Maryland side. Uh, you look at defensively, if there's one weakness to Purdue's game, and I like Purdue's game a lot, what's not to like? I mean, this is a team that's won eight straight. It's just defensively. If you're talking among the contenders, the top you know, 12, 15 teams in the country, Purdue of that bunch would have the weakest defense, not even in the top 60 for as far as adjusted defense goes. Uh, again, it's a, a kind of circle of calendar type of game for Maryland. Maryland's lost five straight to Purdue. You can kind of take this either way. Maybe Purdue has their number, but I, I mean, it's like all these games have been relatively close down on the wire. Five straight to Purdue, but by combined, combined 20 points in that one. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to like on the Terps here, plus the one. Tiebreaker to Sleepy, or are you going to pass? I hate the Big Ten. I'm passing. Pass. <laughs> Any, You know what? I got to say, though, even though I'm not coming off my like on Maryland, plus the one, AJ's handicap was better. So I will say that. If, uh, for for Are, what it's worth, AJ's handicap was a little stronger than mine. I owe that to at least speak the truth to the audience on that one. Any closing thoughts on this matchup, AJ? Just are, are you contractually obligated to hit that green button? Oh, yeah, you know what? I am. Hold on. Yeah, I don't want you to get in now, trouble. Now, there hold on. We are, I mean, we have to put these guidelines. We are crossing state lines w- with that. So well, it's a little well, tough no, to do no that. No one has to pay off. Yeah, so no wink, wink, no cash. Again, another dinner bet. How about that? Another dinner yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah. I already cool. owe you one. Actually, I owe you two. I owe you one for the one you already got me, and then another one. So I'm up to two dinner bets. AJ's going to be pretty soon. It'll be plane tickets, and then I'll have that, a full expense work. paid trip right. uh, to Vegas. For yeah. Go back to Houston. All right, just recap. <laughs> <laughs> Recapping it again. Like Purdue for AJ. Like Maryland. Uh, number that we're projecting, Maryland plus one. There. Moving along to another ranked on ranked matchup Tuesday, college basketball action, seven o'clock tip time for this one. ESPN number 21 LSU is at number five, Kentucky. Projected line is going to be Kentucky minus eight and a half. I'll lead this one off. I mean, there's a lot to like about Kentucky. 
10 straight wins now for the Wildcats, depending on what line you got. I would say most graded their last game as a push. The Wildcats had covered seven straight. But with that in mind, because I think Kentucky's getting a little pricey, I'm going to lean with LSU plus eight and a half. Lean for me on LSU plus eight and a half. LSU just as hot as Kentucky. 12 and one LSU is last 13 games. I thought LSU pretty much, if you'd have gave me uh, the shot selection as far as the field goal percentage in their game against Auburn, I thought I would have had a loser there with the, uh, the, the Tigers from Louisiana. But LSU just dominated Auburn in the paint. And one thing I also like about LSU is this team doesn't quit. They've overcome double-digit deficits in three of their last five wins. And their only loss in that 13-game span that I talked about LSU being 12-1, and they nearly erased an 18-point lead that Arkansas had. They only lost the game LSU did by one. So this is a team that's going to be getting a hefty number here, and I haven't seen any quit out of this LSU team. And number one factor, I kind of buried the lead. Kentucky's got Tennessee on deck at home. College game days there. You're kidding me? They're going to be laying a sizable number here. Because of that, I lean LSU plus eight and a half. What say you, AJ Hoffman? Yeah, you get agreement from me, and it's almost a like for me. This one was was really close to being a like for me, which means if we get any better number than this, it probably is a play for me. Uh, like you said, LSU, they, they've got their flaws, but they do not quit, and they've they've fallen behind in some games early. Sometimes they're a slow team to start. Uh, but they have come back and, and clawed back in every game. And it looked like, man, they, they might have been about to get their, their doors blown off in that game against Auburn. And, and they were able to come back and maintain composure and, and get the job done. They don't defend the three really well. The good news is, I mean, that's not what Kentucky's going to be doing. They're not going to be shooting a bunch of threes. LSU 6-1 and one against the spread on the road, 8-2 and two the last 10 uh, they've got road wins at Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State already. So, uh, I mean, those are pretty decent quality, you know, middling, uh, at least, SEC teams. And that's those are solid road wins. And Kentucky's 7-6 and six against the spread at home. You mentioned Kentucky's expensive. They're even more expensive at home. LSU hasn't won at Kentucky since 2009. And you know that, that LSU's looking for that signature win that they, they were just on the outside of that top 16 that got released, which we'll talk about a little bit later. A signature win would probably push them up into that range. And Kentucky, they're bullies. You know, they, they like to shove teams around. They're athletic. They're physical. You can't do that against LSU. Those guys are athletic and physical, too. And, and uh, I, I like this LSU team a lot. They're re- they're, their freshmen are really starting to play well. Nas Reed particularly really starting to play well. And he's, he's a, a, a clear in my opinion, top 10 NBA talent. Uh, and they've got some some veteran guys who are really stepping their game up too. LSU 1 through 5, they're, they're a lot better than people think they are. This is a pretty good team, uh, and, and I'm excited to see how they can hang against this Kentucky team. I'm with you, lean plus 8.5 on LSU. Yeah, and anything that, that we get uh, a little bit higher than that, I agree with you. If I'm getting doubles with, with LSU, that's a like borderline you know, good bet if we're getting LSU with doubles. Yep. I don't think it's going to be the case. I mean, this market's getting sharper by the day in college hoops, and I think the market's going to know. I Well, I mean, part of me hopes it doesn't know, but with Tennessee having that game on deck uh, against Tennessee, that's worth at least a half point, a point in my opinion. So we'll see if the market uh, gets that uh, evaluated in the line properly, prices that. Uh, again, double lean here, LSU plus 8.5. What, what say you, Sleepy? Well, Kentucky's strong at home. 
Just looking at their margin of victory for the Wildcats at home, you know, has me staying away from LSU. Kentucky's won every home game by seven points or more. LSU defense, it does concern me a little bit. You know, I think the Tennessee game for for Kentucky obviously is going to be, you know, it's going to adjust the line here. If you're thinking eight and a half, and I'm not sure, if I can find a six maybe on game day, Maybe I'll take a, a little bit of a pizza bet here on Kentucky, but you ain't getting that, buddy. I know, I know. There's I'll bet no you that way. you will not see that. I'm gonna, you, what, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is more than likely I'm just going to have live betting on, and I think if I can go ahead and, and hope an LSU comes out firing and they come out really aggressive, maybe they get a couple baskets. If I could get it, you know, six, five and a half, five, then I'll go ahead. I'll take a little bit of a pizza money, throw it on Kentucky, but I'm going to pass. I think it should be a pretty good game, though. Any yeah, closing? I think the problem. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the problem with hoping for that is LSU. They're, they're typically a slow starting team. So if anything, if you're looking to live bet, I think may have more of a possibility for value live betting with LSU. And if that number gets well into double digits, if Kentucky jumps out to a big lead, mm. you assume that LSU, like they've been doing, will be able to come back and make it a game. Strong point there, AJ, because we just uh, I mentioned that in the handicap that that LSU is a team that that's kind of <laughs> been known to to fall behind early. And, and I'll I'll mention to you, Sleepy, if you're looking to attack Kentucky, maybe first half might be uh, the the way to go there. So again, that AJ Hoffman, you can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ is the real. That Sleepy J, you can follow Sleepy on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. I'm merely Brad Powers. This is the College Basketball Dream Podcast recapping LSU, Kentucky. Lean LSU for both me and AJ. Any closing thoughts on this one? That's all I got. All right. We're moving fast and heavy here to the next Tuesday game. Again, we're still on Tuesday, and yet we got another, another ranked-on-ranked matchup. And, guys, this is a double like, a double like for AJ and myself. It's number nine, Michigan State. At number 19, Wisconsin. Now, I sent over that I thought that the game might be close to pick. There is an injury for Michigan State. We'll get into more of this during the handicap. But I actually think Wisconsin now will be the slight favorite. So Wisconsin minus one is my new projected line. AJ, who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, I talked about this last week or on the on the last podcast. Uh, it, with Michigan State losing three st- three straight, I said, I hope that Michigan State can get some separation from Minnesota, get a win and a cover, make people think they're back on track, and I'll look to fade them against Wisconsin, and that's what I'm looking to do. Wisconsin is my is my like. Uh, they're coming off a tough loss to Michigan. That was a closer game yeah, than the was. final score, we'll tell you. I mean, that, that was Michigan almost blew that game. Uh, and then Sparty broke their losing streak, but I don't know that they're necessarily fixed. Uh, Michigan State's better in almost every statistical category, though. That That is one thing that worries me. Uh, worse in turnovers, though, significantly worse in turnovers. Wisconsin's got three straight covers against Michigan State, five out of the last seven, and they play on Tuesday. They won't play again until the following Monday. So this is the only thing Wisconsin's got on their minds right now. Uh, Michigan State played seven guys in their last competitive game. They were able to get some some guys in uh, against Minnesota that normally don't play. But in that loss to Illinois, Michigan State played seven. Kenny Goins, the senior, their best rebounder, questionable with an elbow. And when you have a team that's sort of in a funk, which Michigan State's clearly in a funk, you need those seniors. You need your senior leaders around. Yep. If they don't have Kenny Goins, that's a, that's a big deal to me. Uh, I, I think if we got... I said if we got Sparty off a cover that I, I would like Wisconsin, and, and I do. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like Wisconsin for me, again, uh, minus one. Buy price to me is up to three since it's a it's a like. Uh, 
you, you mentioned the Michigan game. Look, I like Michigan. And really, <laughs> I, I look, I'll never apologize for a winner, but probably shouldn't have had a winner with Michigan laying the points against Wisconsin. The biggest margin all game was pretty much the final score. Michigan winning over Wisconsin by nine. Ethan Happ, again, was Ethan Happ, one of the better players in the country. Uh, I came away impressed, even though uh, I had a winning ticket with Michigan uh, on a like there. I came away impressed with Wisconsin. You mentioned Michigan State finally breaking their three-game losing streak. I, that might be a little fool's gold. Uh, they were due to, to have a solid performance. But but it's tough going on the road, Big Ten play, especially this time of year, when, when you're less than 100% as far as a roster uh, goes. I mean, you're already playing without Langford, uh, going to, uh, again, questionable with an elbow injury. Uh, that, that could be, look, he's only, what, a seven-point-per-game type of guy, but you mentioned a leading rebounder. That, that could, If he's out, then it, it, you're starting where it's one plus one equals three with multiple guys out uh, for Michigan State. So I think it's a good spot for Wisconsin. You mentioned the, the three straight covers uh, for, uh, with Wisconsin. Three straight losses, though, straight up to Michigan State last year. Lost all three times but covered all three. In fact, Wisconsin's lost five straight to Michigan State. A lot of them close, though. So I, this kind of one where I think uh, uh, Bucky the Badgers do. Wisconsin, double like. A.J. Hoffman and Brad Powers, minus one. Sleepy, you going to fade that with a green button bet? Nope, I hate the Big Ten. I'm off this one. Hate the Big Ten. Note <laughs> to self, Sleepy hates Big Ten. Any closing thoughts on that one, A.J.? No, man, I'm, I was I was glad to see that you liked that game, too, because that was one that, like I said, we were looking for that spot since the, since the, the show that we recorded on Thursday. So... Uh, we got what we wanted, and and let's play it like that. Yeah, and again, uh, minus one's projected line. It might be a little tricky here with Goins. It's not like Goins is worth three, four points, but but I definitely think considering the depth issues that Michigan State has right now, he's probably worth a point, point and a half. So keep yeah. in mind, I, my buy price is up to three. Something same. same. All right, so both AJ and mine, if you got questions on that line, again, we're taping this on Sunday evening projecting a Tuesday line, both a like for me and AJ on Wisconsin minus one. Moving along, Tuesday, yet another, another ranked-on-ranked matchup. Hey, no, Brad, can, we, can yeah. I throw something out there real quick yep. while we were talking about buy prices, and we didn't give buy prices on the Purdue and uh, Maryland game. My thought is, in, in a game like that, if you like one side or the other, and, and Brad and I are on opposite sides of that, my suggestion is if the line moves a little bit, just play money line. Uh, and, and you may like Wisconsin and you, and you, uh, or, or you like Michigan state in the lines a little bit off one way or the other one and a half to another, uh, instead of, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable moving your buy price up, it's fine to, to lose a little bit of juice and, and just take the money line. Fair point there. And a good point as well. And I don't expect outside the Michigan state, Wisconsin game with that injury, I'll be stunned if the Purdue game comes uh, off that number. That I, I, I would too, but the, with this one in particularly with a, yeah. a, a injury questionable. Uh, so if the line moves to in like if it moves to Wisconsin minus two or minus three, I mean I'd, I'd probably still feel good about it. But if if he plays, then I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not as crazy about it. But I, it's uh it would it'll probably still be a like for me. But just keep in mind. The, the money line option is available if the line if it, if it moves off the number that you want. Solid point. That's AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. That's at AJ is the real AJ Hoffman coming from Houston. Number four market in the country. I didn't know if you knew that sleepy number four market. This guy big time.
big time. And if you don't, uh, you don't think so, listen to these podcasts where he's running circles around me for for no, some of these, some of these you, handicaps. I, you're two and zero oh on these uh, best bets. I'm one and one. Nah, no, the green up. button. I care. You know, I love. I care about the the audience. They come first and foremost. But I have an ego. <laughs> no one knows this. I have a very big ego, and while the, uh, the listeners always first and foremost, you know, there's a little thing in the back of my mind saying, "AJ got me on a bet uh, on a line projection, Duke and Virginia." I can't be losing these green button bets uh, to you, AJ. So uh, just keep that in mind. I, I do have an ego. Speaking of egos, uh, the team that, uh, you know, I think the nation thinks has an ego, and, and rightfully so. It's the best team in the country, even though they're number two in the AP poll. It's the Duke Blue Devils at the number 16 Louisville Cardinals. This one, again, on Tuesday, ranked on ranked matchup. This line might come short. If there's a line that's going to be a little short, I think Duke's going to get a lot of love in the marketplace. Right now, I'll call it Duke minus six. Uh, but don't be a bit surprised, guys, if that line comes a little bit higher. It, it's tough evaluating what the market's going to think of Duke after such a strong performance win and cover against Virginia. AJ, lead it off, my brother. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. If if Duke shoots the way they shot against Virginia, everybody else can just give up. Uh, they, they just aren't. They're a bad shooting team. And when they get hot like that, like they did against Virginia, there's there's pretty much nothing that you can do. This is going to be back-to-back tough road games for Duke, though, with look ahead to uh, to their in-state rivals, North Carolina State and UNC at home in their in their next two after this one. Uh, and then Louisville off that deflating loss to Florida State. Louisville, I mean, that was a bet for me this week, and that's probably the most painful bet that I lost because they absolutely should have won and covered that game. And instead, they squander a lead in the last couple minutes and then stink it up in overtime lose the game and the cover. 23 turnovers for Louisville in that game, a season high. The previous high, 18. Mm. So they blew that out of the water. Uh, the only win and cover in their last three games was against a good but shorthanded Virginia Tech team. Duke 4-1 and one against the spread on the road. Louisville's just 6-6-2 six, six, and two at home. And then, you know, going into yesterday, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Louisville were all within a half game for first place in the ACC now Louisville's a game and a half back. They're tied. They're tied with Syracuse. So suddenly they don't even feel like they're in the the upper echelon of the ACC teams anymore. It's going to be tough to catch those three teams, but a win here would obviously uh, keep them back in the mix. That's the only thing that's keeping me from uh, liking Duke. Is I know Louisville's going to be extremely motivated here to not fall out of that race. Yeah, I'm on the other side. Uh, I lean Louisville. I don't have a strong handicap other than I think situationally it's not a great spot for Duke back-to-back road games off of the, you know, the biggest win of the year, at least for Duke winning at Virginia on the road. I'm going to go more broad here. And we mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, but I got more data and I tweeted this out. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Powers, the number seven. How good is this year's Duke team? We've been talking a couple last podcasts that, you know, national championship odds, Duke is the second biggest favorite this time of year since the 2015 Kentucky team. How about a couple of power ratings to show you how strong Duke is? Since 2005, Jeff Sagarin, he's been doing power ratings, college football, college basketball, everything. I use part of the BCS uh, computer formula. Since 2005, top two teams in the country. Right now, number one since 2005 is this year's Duke team. He has. Number two would be the 2015 Kentucky team that started 38-0. So right now, since 2005, Duke is the highest power rated team in Jeff Sagarin's power rings. Ken Palm, 
who I would say maybe the most important power rating stats analysis uh, as far as the college basketball market. Everyone goes to Ken Palm. He's been doing it, what, since 2002? Top yep. teams as far as adjusted efficiency margin. 2015 Kentucky, number two, 2019 Duke. So there you have a couple more data points, just not future odds, that Duke is right up there with the 2015 Kentucky team as the best team we've seen in a decade plus, maybe 15 years, maybe even 20 years. That's how strong Duke is now. I've been living under a rock. Everyone knows about Zion Williamson. I don't think people know that he's not even the leading scorer on the team. I mean, no. R.J. Barrett was the guy that led the way against Virginia and leads the team. I mean, it's tough fading Duke, and considering that you're paying a premium on the on the Blue Devils now, the fact that they've covered four straight when the entire market's now flooding towards them, that they're certainly going to get pricey. But if Duke plays like they did against Virginia, and what do I mean by play? When they're hitting 13 threes, uh, there's just no one in America uh, that's going to beat them. I mean, that's that's Duke's weakness. Three-point shooting, number 316 in the country, and that team comes lights out from behind uh, behind the arc. Lean Louisville here, but again, if I was going, if I was stack ranking my leans and likes on this podcast, uh, I think this would be my weakest lean. Louisville plus the six is my projection. AJ's got Duke minus the six. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's just when you look at the talent on that Duke team, they they probably have, I, w- I would guess they've got four first-rounders yep. on that team. Uh, all and, freshmen. And w- Williamson, Barrett, and Cam Reddish are all going to go probably in the top five. I mean, at, at worst, they're three lottery picks. And then, you know, Trey Jones isn't going to be far behind. So uh, it, they, they are just so talented and obviously, you know, maybe, arguably the best coach team in the country. Oh, I don't know. It's, I'm not a Coach well, K guy. I like Coach uh, K in the early 90s. I think now. Mm. Well, I like Coach Brad. K, but I don't think X's and O's. <laughs> he doesn't dial it up like he doesn't dial it up like he did. Uh, well, let's say Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley were, were playing for him. Well, listen, when you've got three of the top five freshmen in the country, you, you don't have to be the greatest X's and O's coach. True. So I, I mean, they, they've just got a recipe for for. I mean, what we're seeing here, it's a, a monster season. That those, those Ken Palm numbers are unbelievable to me. And what's crazy about it is Duke's lost two games. Yep. And their Ken Palm number's still that high. So it's uh, it, it, it's something you don't see very often, getting up there in the 35s and, and Duke's over 36. So that's a that's a really, really good team. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like this Louisville team. I mean, that was a – to me, a, a disappointing loss against Florida State, but I, I, I'm, the shine is not all the way off them for me. I just don't know. And again, I'm with you. I don't have a strong lean one way or the other on this one. If I had to, you know, we've got to pick a side, a, a lean on these. So I, I, I said my lean would be Louisville. Coming over the top, Sleepy. Break the tiebreaker here. Uh, I'm not going to break the tiebreaker, but uh, this is obviously not a great spot here for Duke, obviously, after coming off a big win versus Virginia. I won't be betting Duke in this game, but I hope somehow they lose. because They're not losing. I, I hope they do because, <laughs> you know, Brad, you're 100% right with Duke. I saw it yesterday. They're the best team in the nation by far. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep taking my pizza money and just keep putting it on the 175 for Duke to win the national championship. Oh. And I'm just going to keep loading up on it because I saw what? enough yesterday from Sleepy, stop putting it. Hold, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on, mm-hmm. hold on. Mm-hmm. We're going to teach you mm-hmm. a moment. You live in Vegas, right? You can You can get to the South Point, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you betting plus 175 when you can get Duke 
plus Gonzaga, plus Michigan, plus Kansas, and, and just lay, you know, 110, 120. It's not that big of a difference. Kansas? A dollar. But you get that you get Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, and Michigan versus the field. And you're paying an extra dollar. No. I saw enough yesterday. I'll take Duke plus one seventy five. I'd rather uh, almost double my money. Shop around. You can get better. I shop around in Vegas. I think I saw a couple of two to ones. Did they have another set of four teams that they were offering as well? No, I, I didn't see that, but you can get two to one. It ain't gonna change that much, sleepy. I look one guy on Twitter mentioned that uh was giving us a go around because me and AJ have been banging pretty hard on betting the no and Duke. Look, uh, the last team that was in this realm, Kentucky 2015, was plus 110. Just Kentucky versus the field. That 2015 team, did they win the title? They didn't. It's tough. When you got to win six games in a tournament, a little tougher than, than winning the national championship when it comes to maybe college football. So just put that in your back pocket. It's not the NBA, a seven-game series like the Warriors get each. Anything can happen in one game. Good luck. I, I'll tell you what, Sleepy. How about, hold on, wait, hold, wait, wait. I'll book. You tell me what you want, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna book it. I'll book it, Sleepy. You want two to one on Duke? Yeah. So I get plus two hundred. I'm all right. Okay, because I think that's considering. I've seen two to one out there in multiple places. I'll give you. So instead of you going down to stations or whatever stations uh, plus one sixty, I'll give you by the goodness of my heart two to one, and I'll take the. But I'm gonna bet the no, so I win, right? So we're gonna do a hundred. Hundred bucks. All right. So you get two hundred. All right. All right. Thank you. Fair enough. Helping you out, saving you some gas money there. Any closing thoughts on that? What, what what's your take he on that? Thank you, AJ. He, he thanked you for just taking a hundred dollars from him. No, 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 no. Wait, hold on, AJ. <laughs> did you not have Virginia as as your title winner? Uh, well, no, I had them as my number one power rated team. I, I I've I I think for the last couple of weeks, if I've said. I've got to pick a, a title winner right now. I think it's Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's got the least holes in their game. Uh, like I said, Duke can't shoot. And ju- just because I see him shoot one game doesn't doesn't make me think that suddenly they can shoot. That's a bad shooting team. And at some point in that tournament, they're going to have to shoot. And and I I don't know. I don't, I don't trust them to, to go through that run uh, with that. And it's all about path, too. Well, we'll see what Duke's path is uh, as far as the bracket goes It'll be the easiest well. path, probably. It will be the easiest path. That's what I'm thinking. Again. Yeah, but they don't do that. I've seen Kentucky have the number one overall seed, and their region's been arguably the toughest. Some, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sometimes so, it has. No, no, I, I don't buy that. And we'll be getting to the NCAA had their first reveal as far as the top 16 teams. We'll be talking a little bracket here at the end of the podcast after we get done with the games. Just recapping it. A lean on Duke for AJ, lean on Louisville plus six for me, and a bet. First one of the podcast, a bet. Sleepy's gonna. Th- I'm booking Sleepy's future tickets. I, he's got Duke two to one. I should have taken him for the plus one seventy five, but I like Sleepy. I, I gave him an extra twenty five cents. But My man, there you go. So I bet on that one. Moving along, any second closing- bet of the podcast. <laughs> second bet. What was the other one? The oh, Purdue, the like. Dang, yeah, cross state lines, Maryland, Purdue. All right, yep. Wow, action. Gotta love the action. A lot of action. Not as much as Fez gets up in Reno wearing cowboy boots. (laughs) Anyways, Wednesday. Moving along to this, and we're coming to best bet time here. Why don't you roll this one along, Sleepy? Who's this best bet for? Me. You? All right. Yeah. Now, this is going to be the final week for you. No, it's not. If I'm winning best bets, we're keeping Blossom. Oh, so once you lose, then we'll go into... Yeah, we'll go into a new one. All right. But it's awesome. Good stuff.
That's anybody's guess Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed Fire up your pad and pencil I give you a piece of my mind all right, best bet for me for this podcast, going for three winners in a row. Wednesday, college basketball action. I'm going to go with South Carolina plus a 17.5 over the number one team, Tennessee. And my buy price on South Carolina is all the way down to 15. So anything in that corridor, seven, you know, 15 or more, 15 or more South Carolina best bet. And to me, why am I liking this so much? It's a fade against number one Tennessee. Why? Tennessee's got Kentucky, Kentucky on deck, arguably Tennessee's biggest game of the year. Give Tennessee credit. They've handled the number one role quite well the last couple of weeks, but they haven't had a huge game on deck like they're going to have this upcoming weekend with college game day in town. On the flip side, South Carolina, completely different team once SEC play has hit. This is actually a South Carolina team. You look at their overall record, 12-11, and 11, oof. That doesn't look too good. But in SEC play, the Gamecocks, 7-3. and three, And I know they got killed by Tennessee at home just a few weeks ago. But diving into the box score on that one. And look, shooting can be at certain times random. Uh, it can be matchup-wise and whatnot. And obviously, you have your good shooting teams and your poor shooting teams. But a little bit of outliers in both of the, the that matchup as far as South Carolina and Tennessee in the first meeting. Tennessee hit 56% of their shots. South Carolina hasn't allowed any other opponent to top 45% in their last 12 games. The look-ahead spot for Tennessee is why I like the huge dog, South Carolina. Best bet, South Carolina. And we'll call the buy price anything plus 15 or more. I'm expecting the line to come right around 17 and a half. Thoughts on this one, AJ? It's a lean South Carolina for me. Uh, South Carolina has been, they're 9-13 and 13 against the spread. They're 4-4 four and four against the spread on the road. Tennessee, I mean, 9-3 and three in their last 12 against the spread, which is, it's difficult to do that when you've got that, that number one next to your name. Typically, you become pretty expensive. Like you said, Tennessee's handled that very well. Uh, they're looking for revenge. South Carolina is, obviously. Tennessee's 10-0 and 0 in SEC play. The best team that they've played yet in conference is probably Alabama, mm. and this isn't football. I mean, that's that's Tennessee's best SEC win is Alabama. They've avoided all the the big hitters in the SEC so far. Uh, you know, South Carolina's got wins against Auburn, wins against Mississippi State. Those are solid SEC wins. My concern with them, when they've traveled to the elite SEC opponents, South Carolina's been blown out, lost by 22 at LSU, just last week lost by 28 at Kentucky. South Carolina, 267th in turnover percentage. Tennessee's 26th in the country. South Carolina's not careful with the ball. They play faster than anybody in the SEC, but they've got to protect the ball if they're going to hang in this game. I'm not as strong on it as you, obviously, but I do lean South Carolina getting that juicy number, 17.5. Let's talk Tennessee briefly. Again, lean for South Carolina for AJ. Best bet South Carolina for me. How good is this Tennessee team? Because you meant you just brought up a great point. You know, strength of schedule hasn't been there for Tennessee since conference play has started. Obviously, Tennessee's got a really good win against Gonzaga in non-conference action. So, you know, where does this, if you're stack ranking the top teams in the country, we know Tennessee's not number one like they are in the AP poll. Where do you have Tennessee in your power ratings, AJ? I mean, now, like, out of respect, probably five. But if you put a gun to my head and said, do I think, 
Tennessee's better than Kentucky or North Carolina? I'd probably say no. Uh, but as it stands right now, I, yeah, I'd have, I'd have a hard time. I, I'd have a hard time dropping them anything lower than five. But I, I don't. I don't think that they're nearly as good as that one next to their name indicates. Which that's why it's all the more impressive that they've they've done so well against the spread with that one by their name. Mm, good point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're not top three material. Uh, they're in that four or five range for me, right in there with Kentucky. Interesting to see what that line comes uh, for this upcoming Saturday. And of course, we'll break down that big game, Tennessee-Kentucky, on the podcast that, that comes out on uh, Friday morning. We, we tape that one on Thursday evening. It'll come out Friday morning. Uh, generally what, speaking... What are your thoughts on that, On that, you know, the, the stat where, you know, South Carolina, when they've played the better teams in the SEC... Yeah, it wor- it's worrisome. <laughs> it's worrisome. Look, it's a best bet for me. I'm playing it on the spot. Uh, I'll take the big... D- Look, to me, when you got a big favorite... It's been all about, you know, what's your motivation to get margin? And to me, I just don't yeah. think Tennessee has that motivation here with a big game on deck, knowing already that Tennessee's going to have one day less rest than Kentucky. And they're, and they're traveling. Look, to Knoxville to Lexington's nothing, but they're already one day less rest and traveling. So they're up against it a little bit against Kentucky. I think it's do your thing on the first half, get up, and then get out of there, where I think South Carolina... I, you're right on the road. There hasn't been punched back, but but I, I believe in Frank Martin here, a, a proud program, and, and again an overachiever, no question about it. South Carolina has been in SEC play at seven and three, so uh, again it's all spot for me, and it's all fading. What I think is a big big favorite that d- just doesn't have the motivation to get margin. Don't disagree with that part of it. Sleepy, anything to add? Yeah, I got a question for both of you guys, actually. And I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just feel this more than I felt it with a lot of other number one teams. But, Brad, do you think that this Tennessee team feels more pressure as each game goes on? I know Kentucky's been number one before. Duke, all those teams, they've all been number one. But for some reason, I just feel like this Tennessee team is dealing with more and more and more pressure. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not going to go ahead and say I like South Carolina, but I'm with you on this one. It would either be that side or nothing for me. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's weird. College basketball is not like college football where, you know, a number one ranking this time of year just doesn't hold as much merit as a, a ranking late in, the, in November would in college football. I think a number one ranking would mean something to a school like Gonzaga. Uh, Tennessee, uh, maybe it does actually because they haven't been number one. So uh, it's not like a Duke, North Carolina type issue where it's just, you know, shrugs, hey, we're number one. I mean, we, we, we've been here, done that. Uh, Tennessee, I think on a game-in and game-out basis, maybe they're feeling more pressure, but I also think that they're more motivated more often than not, and maybe that's why they've been pretty good against the number. And again, I'm questioning the motivation for this game, but maybe why they haven't been so bad is uh, they're embracing that number one ranking. It means something to them. Even though a number one ranking uh, in college basketball doesn't mean as much as college football. Anxious before I get back to you, Sleepy, what's your thoughts on this, AJ? Yeah, I, I'm. I do think that there is more pressure on Tennessee because they're not typically known as a a program that's, you know, a a national powerhouse. So, when when that number one is by their name, it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like Kentucky, Duke, it's not as big of a deal to them. They're used to it. But I do think teams like Tennessee, who who it's not, it's not an every, it's not every year that at some point they're considered one of the five best teams in the country. I think that they do uh, They do take that seriously and maybe do kind of press a little bit at some point. 
Your thoughts, Sleepy? Pretty much in line with what AJ was thinking. I was hoping that one of you guys were, were going to go ahead and, 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 you know, talk about what the thoughts that I had and, and mention that. So I feel good about it now. All right. Again, recapping, that is a best bet for me. 2-0 streak, going for three in a row on the line. Brad Powers. Best bet, South Carolina. Take anything 15 or more. I'm expecting the line to be 17 and a half. Sleepy kind of would lean that way if he had to push comes to shove. And also a lean for AJ on that game. One game to go. This is the college basketball dream preview podcast. Two games to go. Oh, two games. My oh, best bet. you know what? Wow, I didn't Thursday have it on game. my sheet. You know what? I went off script for this last podcast we did with Notre Dame. AJ saw me do that and says, hey, man, if Brad Powers can do it and win, why can't I? It can't be done by you, 10 guys like you, or 100 people like you. Nobody can defeat this man. Nobody even can come close to defeating this man. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. The odds-on favorite in Las Vegas. That's why you paid me for. I love it. Go ahead. Run with it. it AJ Hoffman, best bet for the podcast. Yeah, try to get back on track with my best bet. I'm going to take Creighton minus one at Xavier on on uh, Wednesday night. And we talked about Xavier a little bit last week and how bad they've been against the spread. Well, it didn't get any better because they got blown out by DePaul at home. And if you're losing to DePaul at home, you know things are in full-on disaster mode. The first meeting just a couple games ago, 76-54 Creighton win. It broke a four-game series against the, uh, against the spread streak. For Xavier, the, and this was the first matchup without uh, Mac as the coach there. Creighton's 11-12-1 against the spread, 4-2 and two in their last six. They took Nova to overtime at Villanova, and they didn't even shoot that well. They were only 5-17 of 17 from three. Creighton's the fifth-best three-point percentage team in the country, 41.4%. So they shot poorly against Villanova, played without their leading scorer, Tyshawn yep. Alexander, and still went to overtime at Villanova. Uh no Marcus Zegarowski, who broke his hand a couple games ago. That hurts. But Alexander was back against Seton Hall. He struggled, uh, but I expect him to be better with a game under his belt now. Uh, Creighton's played the 15th toughest schedule in the country. It's going to pay off in spots like these. Xavier, 6-16-2 against the spread. 27% against the spread. Only five schools in the country are worse than that. Uh, expectations came with the name brand. We mentioned that last week, but they're not the same team without Chris Mack. They just lost by 12 at home to DePaul, and Xavier turned it over 19 times in their first matchup with Creighton. That is not going to work. Xavier, 200th in adjusted defense. That's bad news against the 21 most, 21st uh, most uh, efficient offense in the country in Creighton. Xavier, 306th in adjusted tempo. Creighton 107th. I think Creighton dictates the pace just like they did in the first game. I think more shots drop, and Creighton didn't shoot that well in the first game against uh, Xavier, and they still beat him by 21 points. I think best bet, Creighton minus one. Xavier's home court advantage is gone. Uh, They're just a bad team. Things are spinning out of control right there at Xavier. I think Creighton, who's down themselves this year, this is a good spot for them to, uh, to, to, to get themselves away from the bottom of the Big East. Mm, I like it. That's strong from AJ. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, you know, Creighton's been kind of a hit-miss team. Uh, I've used Creighton quite a bit here in recent weeks. I thought the buy sign came on for them a few weeks ago when they finally broke through and beat Georgetown, followed up with a nice win against Butler. 
winning cover. But then I thought in a really good spot against St. John's at home with uh, with some revenge. They came up a little bit short, but even though they lost each of their last two road games, you know the Villanova game comes with an asterisk. Uh, I mean, they should have won the game outright without their best player on the road against Villanova, and they yep. just came up short against Seton Hall. So. I agree with you completely here. Very strong, coming strong with a best bet. That is AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. Purchase his picks at pregame.com that have been up there. Off a what a big winner on Saturday on LSU. You didn't mention yeah, we were talking my, my LSU. Play of the week on pregame was LSU. Yeah. There you go. Play of the week winner last week. Again, you can get a, his picks at pregame.com. Your any thoughts to add here, Sleepy? I'm pretty convinced after listening to that. I know. I'm. Yeah. I'm. You should see me taking notes like I was a. You know, I'm back in college mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't study, and you know, I'm just in class and I'm trying to take good <laughs> notes. That's what I was doing. So, uh, I mean, he sold me again. Creighton. Hey, we'll do, Go ahead. We'll do a buy price up to three on that. Okay. Buy price up to three. Best bet Creighton. Uh, we're going to call it right around one uh, for AJ. Best bet of the podcast. Just one game to go, and guys, after the game, uh, feel free to stay on. We're going to talk. A little bit about the NCAA tournament's reveal. The committee uh, came out with their rankings at the NCAA tournament ended before the Saturday games. They came out with their top 16. We got some thoughts, you know, who who was missing, who was, uh, you know, overpriced. We'll have that more. But before we get to that, last game on the docket Thursday night. We haven't talked this team too much, so that's why I thought I'd include it. It's the number four team in the country, Gonzaga at Loyola Marymount. 11 p.m. Eastern tip time here on ESPN2 on Thursday night. AJ, go ahead and go. And then I got a couple stats here on Gonzaga's run that they've had here in the last six weeks. Yeah, I mentioned that Gonzaga, in my opinion, the most complete team in the country, the team with the fewest holes. Uh, great offense, great defense. That's just a, a really well-put-together team. 11-3 and three against the spread during this 14-game win streak. The average spread over that run, 23.5 points. So the average spread has been 23 and a half, and they're 11 and three beating that spread. Their average win margin in those 14 games has been 35 points per game. Think about 35 points per game average over the last 14 games. That's the average win margin. Uh, one of the the three losses against the spread was Loyola. That was a uh, an 18 point win on a 23 and a half number. Loyola's best attribute is defense. They're they're a pretty bad offensive team. Uh, Loyola, they're, they're probably their best quality on a deeper level is forcing turnovers. But Gonzaga just doesn't turn the ball over. They're, they're fifth in the country in turnover percentage. They're careful with the ball. They did turn it over a little bit in the first game against Marymount, and it was a it's 16 turnovers for Gonzaga, which is very very unlike that team. But Marymount, 0 and five straight up, one and four against the spread in matchups with the top five West Coast Conference teams. So when they get into the good the good range of West Coast Conference teams, and we talked about that conference a little bit last week as being, a, as being somewhat underrated, it's it's good at the top, and it, Loyola struggled against those top the top-tier guys. The Tilly injury hurts depth, which, you know, that, that may be something that, that's needed to cover these big numbers going forward. He's not a huge scorer, but... He averages low double-digit minutes against quality opponents. He's usually more of a guy who eats minutes in blowout games. So I, I don't think his loss is is that big of a deal. I mentioned before I don't like. I'm not looking to give 19 points. I, I, I just I don't feel good doing that. But I don't want to get in the way of this team that's just basically 
they're they're calling their number at this point. Gonzaga is. They are, uh, and they obviously called their number against St. Mary's, almost beating their arch rival, at least in the West Coast Conference, by fifty over the weekend. You mentioned the margin of victory, average score for Gonzaga in those last fourteen games, ninety to fifty-five. 90 to 55, average cover by 11 points per game, even though Gonzaga, like AJ mentioned, is laying ridiculous numbers. So, I mean, I tweeted this out, uh, a lot of these stats, and the feedback I got was, oh, they didn't play anyone. Vegas accounts for that, that they're not playing anyone in Gonzaga, even though they're favored historically by 20, 25, 30 points a game, they're still covering by double digits per game. That's what makes it a little historic. Vegas accounts for the opposition. That's what a spread is all about. So I found that a little peculiar when I tweeted this out, all the facts here. But lean for me is on Loyola. Again, I question when Gonzaga's off such a big win performance. This is the first of two back-to-back road trips. They play like that Thursday, Saturday night type of thing. I think Gonzaga maybe in the second half takes the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Uh, I want to talk big picture, though, a little Gonzaga because, you know, AJ mentioned it, maybe the most complete team, a team that did beat Duke earlier in the season. Uh, If they're healthy, you mentioned the, the, the Killian Tilly uh, injury. He hasn't really played much this year, but he was kind of a preseason all West Coast Conference type of team. If they can get him for the tournament, and by tournament, I mean the tournament, the NCAA tournament, I think that'll definitely help out their depth. Big picture, Gonzaga. Is this team as good as the team that the, just a couple of years ago played for the national championship? And if a game was maybe refed accordingly, they might have won it and cut down the nets? Yeah, I, I, think, the, I think this team is better. Uh, they don't have I guess the star power, I guess if you can call it that, but but I th- I don't see any holes in this team. I, I, they can shoot the ball. They defend as well as anybody. I mean, they are just they're good everywhere. They're experienced. They're well coached. It's just a really well put together team. I I, th- I have them now after this weekend. I I moved them uh, from three to two. I dropped Virginia below them, so I've got Duke, uh, Gonzaga, Virginia now my top three. But Gonzaga is, in in my mind, right there behind Duke right now, and and I think this is this is one of the better, if not the best team Gonzaga's had. Yeah, and I got Gonzaga number two also in my power rankings. And, Go ahead. And when people tell you Gonzaga doesn't play anybody in, in conference, they don't. But they still, despite playing in the West Coast Conference, they're still 85th in strength of schedule. Yeah. Because they played Duke non-conference, they played North Carolina non-conference, they played Tennessee non-conference. Who else is doing that? Who else is going out and playing three top top five teams in the non-conference? No, Nobody's doing that. So I think that they're putting this team together for a tournament run, and I think that prepares them as well as anybody for a big tournament run this season. Yeah, and I agree. And look, my rooting interests are on my individual bets <laughs> for my clients, for myself. I, you know, I, I'll put on a fan hat here. I kind of want to see Gonzaga win it all. Uh, to, to be perfectly honest, a program that's built themselves up the last two decades have been close. We're really close a couple years ago. I, I mean, and I'm not a little David versus Goliath. Usually I like the Goliath, but uh, <laughs> Gonzaga is more like Goliath than they are David. I, I kind of would root for the program uh, to, to, to cut down the nets. I think that'd be good for college basketball. Gonzaga Duke final with Gonzaga winning. I mean, well, it'd I mean, be good we- for the sport. Yeah, we've had a lot. Of, I mean, we've had a lot of teams get really close. Like you know, Gonzaga got really close against North Carolina, but we've yet to see one of these smaller conference teams really break through. You know, the the 
the Power Five conferences plus the Big East, they've won it forever now. I think the last time you got someone other than them was you've got to go back to to UNLV. Yep. So I mean, you're you're going way. What was that 1990? Yep. So uh, since then, it's been the the Power Five or the the Big Six uh, conferences when you include the Big East. So uh, yeah, it, it's 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 time for a team like that to win. And and I think them going through the non-conference schedule that they did is is going to have them prepared for that and and I I'd, I'd like to see it be rewarded too. I'd like to see more teams go out and do that schedule a, as many big boys as they can in the non-conference. Sleepy, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I kind of lean here with Loyal. I think you know the fact that they have revenge, the fact that they're going to be at home. Obviously. Everyone has revenge against Gonzaga right? in that conference, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everybody. Uh obviously they're going to be, you know, getting a ton of points here. They're a very good defense though. If you go through like the last eight or nine games for Gonzaga, they're scoring like 85, 90, 96. The only team that really held them under 80 points in like the last eight or nine games has been Loyola. They held them to 73 points. Loyola has a better defense statistically. They're ranked number 13 in the nation. Gonzaga ranked 39. But I think the key to this game, being that this game's in Loyola, is the pace. Loyola's pace, 346 in the nation. It doesn't get much slower than that. I think that helps them somewhat slow down the Gonzaga offense. Obviously, their offense ranked number one. But if they could hold them to 73, get them on the road, slow them down pace-wise in their building, getting a ton of points, I can only lean towards Loyola in this game. So uh, that's that's a lean for me. Yeah, it makes sense. Far- yeah, go ahead, AJ. As far as I'm concerned, Gonzaga's the one with revenge because uh, Loyola was one. Of the, it was one of the only teams that covered against them. They want to <laughs> yeah. cover against everybody. Yeah, they have come out with motivation. I've been reading the press clippings. They want to make it a point of emphasis and, and show the country that they're the best team. So that's why you tread lightly. That's why it's only a lean for me. Uh, but Sleepy's handicap is basically uh, I, my handicap on it. You got a team that's really good defensively. So slow them down. Yep. If, you, if you can, you know, when you're getting a lot of points, like Loyola is going to be getting here, a slow tempo and, and some good defense is how you cover the points. Not, not how you win, but at least ca- cash you the tickets. You so. know, I got a question for you guys, and this is just something that comes up. And, you know, AJ's talking about Gonzaga playing their non-conference and to give them credit, they're playing the Dukes. They're playing, you know, North Carolina, Kentucky. So year after year, they're playing those teams. But we know that those teams have to reload each and every year. Gonzaga doesn't. It, they always seem to have a, a, a stable full of juniors and seniors. So if you're playing Duke in like week three, week four, Kentucky, week five, whatever, and we know that those teams haven't matured yet as freshmen, I think Gonzaga goes into those games saying, you know what, we can schedule these type of games and it gives us a really big advantage that we have a team with experience that we're really planning the entire offseason to go up against these young kids. We know they're going to be good at the end of the season. So, yeah, we look at their SOS and stuff like that, but I think at some point you have to say, Who's the better team at that time, and who's the better team now? Uh, you know, Duke, obviously, they got beat to this team, but that Duke team isn't the same team as this Duke team that we're looking at now. So it's just something that I that I look at when, you know, I look at, at, at a team, you know, like Gonzaga with their SOS schedule. I, I, I tend to not take it as, as strong as some people do. And, uh, you know, going off of that point, I think you're, you're correct in that they do have an advantage. And that's why maybe Gonzaga struggle a little bit in tournaments, at least compared to where they've been seated the last 15, 20 years. They don't have that extra gear. They're kind of like a Virginia, very consistent during the regular season. Uh, don't have that extra gear. But I think this team, you're selling this team short if you don't think that they have it. Any thoughts on that, AJ? I was going to say, I mean, no one, no one seems to think that about Virginia because Virginia has been a program that's that's held on to their kids and and built with with upperclassmen. 
but no one seems to to take anything away from them when they're playing when they win big games non conference. That's true. So I, I don't know. But, but neither of those have cut down the nets though. So there's something to be That's said. True. I mean, there they've is. been. Yeah, both teams have been in the top five here, you know, consistently the last five, six years, Gonzaga's case longer, but yet they still haven't been able to cut down the nets. So there's something to be said. I mean, I guess there's two different, there's a reason why Gonzaga and uh, Virginia and Villanova and Kuda, Villanova kind of takes the, the seniority uh, route too, juniors and seniors, and, and they've won yep. two of the last three titles. So you have this mixture in college basketball. I think it's good for the sport. You can go one way go with the juniors, the seniors, the experience, or you can go the other way and go for the one and done. And been a little bit mixed results. I think if you're asking me what I'd rather have from a consistent aspect, uh, if I'm betting on a team in the regular season, give me the juniors and seniors. Uh, if you're telling me value points as far as winning at all, man, some of the one and done kids, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, uh, North Carolina's had a couple. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they got the, the, the more upside when it comes where it really counts in March. So, I think it's great for college basketball. I think the sport's better for it that, that you know, we have two clear directions that, that you can go as far as, you know, trying to win it all. Any additional thoughts, AJ? It's funny that you mentioned, like, who, who's, you know, the teams that haven't cut down the nets. I mean, it's basically the same the same teams winning every year for the last 15 or so years. I mean, they're Connecticut and Villanova, North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke. I mean, you throw in a, a random other team every now and again, but it's typically those same teams. Uh, at Louisville won one in there. I think Kansas has won one in there. But it's it's basically the same four or five teams winning over and over again. But like you said, doing it in completely different ways. And, you know, everyone's, you know, Kentucky's kind of the the prime example of the one-and-done one, one and teams because we've seen Coach K win with one-and-dones. We've seen him win with, with experienced teams. But Kentucky... So, and and would we agree that Kentucky's been the best recruited team since John Calipari's been there? Yeah, I think if we're going ten years, pretty consistently. Yeah, yeah, if we're going ten years, it's Kentucky. I think if we're going five years, it's Duke though. Now it's, it's Duke. Yeah, yeah. But in that ten year span, one championship for yep. Kentucky there. So and the the best team that they have, you you mentioned, lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. So it's uh it's not. It, there's no locks one way or the other, and and I think it's a it's a good thing to have a, a balance, to have a mixture of, of that young talent, uh, to to surround. And that, that honestly, that and I'm not talking about them like they're on this level, but that's what I like about this LSU team this year is they've got some super freshmen, and they've got some juniors and seniors who are really kind of holding things together. I, I, that's what you really want is is teams that that have that big time talent, but also have a couple senior guys around to uh, to hold everything in place. Couldn't agree more uh, on that. And again, recapping, I know we got a little long-winded on the Gonzaga game, but I wanted to bring up Gonzaga as far as big picture uh, on the Bulldogs there. Lean on Loyola for me and Sleepy, uh, and rightfully so, AJ. <laughs> on the other side, why not when you got this run Gonzaga's been on? Uh, by uh, pr- projected line for uh, this game, Loyola and Gonzaga on Thursday night, 19 uh, is right around the number. And just a, a note, when you get bigger spreads, sometimes... Uh, I mean, when you're dealing with a number close to 20, might be off a couple of points. It, it just, you know, it, 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 obviously. The science gets tougher. Yeah, it gets a little bit tougher. And obviously, if you're off two points on a three, going from three to five or five to seven means a little bit more than 19 to 21. And obviously, a 50-point romp of St. Mary's could obviously throw that off another point or two. So let's Exactly. Uh, so just recapping through the game thing here, again, recapping best bet for AJ 
Uh, went a little off the board. I like it. Creighton minus the one. Buy price up to three for him. That's Wednesday night action. I uh, went, went along with South Carolina. Plus, anything plus 15 or more, expecting the line to come 17 and a half. That's South Carolina on Tuesday night or Wednesday night against Tennessee. One topic here, broadly speaking, the NCAA on Saturday released their top 16 rankings. They've been doing this the last couple of years. It's kind of that reveal in the first Saturday in February as far as their top 16 rankings go. Uh, you know, no surprise at the top. You got Duke number one, Tennessee two, Virginia three, Gonzaga four, Kentucky five. I, I really don't have an issue, uh, you know, too much of an issue with there. Would I, you know, rank them exactly in that order? No. But uh, I think they got the top five teams right. The issue that I have, and, and I'll lead a little bit and get your guys' thoughts, uh, Kansas is a team that came in, what, number 10? Are you kidding me? Number 10 in these rankings? Yeah, I don't get that either. I, I think, that, look, I we'll, we'll give Kansas love over past, you know, pedigree. It's a blue blood of the sport. I also give Kansas credit. I think, you know, according to Ken Bombs, played the toughest schedule in the country. But if we're going from a Vegas perspective on Kansas, how good is Kansas right now? This isn't a top 15 team. I think it's borderline, maybe not even top 20. And when you don't have Azubuki, your center, he's one of your top three players. And right now, news broke this week. Uh, Vic, uh, Gerald Vic, one of their other better players, two of their top three players, has taken a leave of absence from the team. He averages Vic 14 points per game. You got two of their top three players out that they expected to have at the start of the season. And it's a Kansas team that has zero covers in true road games this year. I mean, can't win, can't win on the road. Ain't, ain't going to do so when uh, March uh, comes around. So I wouldn't even have, you know, they ranked the top 16. I wouldn't even have Kansas in my top 16 right now, even though the, the committee came out with 10. Any thoughts on that? Am I way off base here? No, I don't disagree. I think they're the most overrated team that, that got put in that top 16. But I also think, at this point, after the the loss that they just had, you probably have to drop Iowa State out of that thing too. So I, I and they were what uh, four. Um, so it, I thought there were some notable omissions. I thought Villanova being omitted was yep. was rough. Uh, and and you know what, they just lost a game too, but uh, a, obviously a close game against Marquette, who's in there as a three seed. And then I think the ones that are going to be the toughest to gauge are, are teams like like Houston and Nevada. Because obviously, the, playing in in conferences that don't have the same level of competition as these other guys, albeit I mean Gonzaga doesn't either. But we mentioned their non conference schedule. Uh, Nevada's best win this season is probably Arizona State, who's a, a bubble team. You know, they they just beat Washington, and that probably helps them. But right before that, they got drubbed by Washington State, who's horrendous. So, and that's the best win Nevada has this year. Uh, the the nineteen and one or whatever it is right now looks that's really impressive, but I, I don't I don't know if I have them as one of my sixteen best teams in the country. And you could kind of say the same thing for Houston, although Houston does have that win against LSU, which that was a that's a that, that win looks better every week. But you know I I just don't know. And now they've got the win against Cincinnati. I think maybe Houston may be locked in as one of those top sixteen teams right now. But Nevada's another one I think you can question a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Any thoughts? omission overrated sleepy i kind of think nevada should probably be in there i also think and this might sound a little crazy although marquette just beat villanova uh i actually i think villanova should be in i think marquette should be out the reason being is that uh you know we look at these numbers and we're like all right these these numbers are what they are but 
I just don't see Marquette making it too far relying on just one player. And Marquette, you know, obviously they, they won the game against Nova, but Nova looks like a pretty well-rounded team to me. And uh, I, I think that they are the better team. And if we're just taking, you know, teams for what they're worth, you know, why is Kansas in there? Do they really deserve to be in there? I mean, they've been absolutely trash in their conference right now. Uh, I agree with you, Kansas, you know, good team in the beginning, lost players. Uh, I don't think they belong in there at all. So what I would do is I would take Kansas out. I would move Marquette out. I would put Villanova in. I think pulling Marquette out is tough because Marquette has wins over three of these top 16 teams. They've, they've, got, to, they've got to win over Kansas. They've got to win over Louisville. They've got to win over Wisconsin. I, I don't think you can pull them out of that top 16. I think, and, and now with that win over Villanova, I think they're clearly in the top 16. Uh, and when we talk about the other teams that are sort of just on the outside looking in, I think Texas Tech may, may warrant some of that consideration. They mm-hmm. hit a little rough, rough patch. But for them to go on the road and do what they did to Oklahoma and, and kind of prove that they could win a road game, uh, that, that's, that, that kind of wakes me up to them again. And, that, and that's another team who, it's a one-trick pony. I mean, that's a bad offensive team, but they are so good defensively that they could give teams a lot of problems. And if you told me Tech versus Nevada, neutral court, I mean, who are you taking? To me, it's Tech, but, uh, you know, I, I maybe... Oh, I'll take Nevada. Otherwise. I'll take that bet. I'll, I'll take Nevada okay. to be favored. Yeah, I don't. Nevada does. I don't have an issue with Nevada. We, I mean, the team that returned all five starters from last year, and we saw them go pretty far in the tournament. I get it; they haven't played, uh, you know, a strong schedule at all. But you know, they're getting the job done for the most part. Had one hiccup this year. I, I'm fine with Nevada being in there. Sleepy, you know, I will agree with you to a certain extent uh, on the Marquette Villanova. Let Vegas tell you who's better. I mean, Marquette was favored against Villanova by two points, but usually, especially in that atmosphere in a big game. Home court's worth right around four points in that type of atmosphere. Vegas is telling you Villanova's probably a couple points better than Marquette. So I agree with you. I'd have Villanova over Marquette, and I do in my power ratings. I'll give you guys a team that's you know off the radar here. I think not for long. I think the best team in the Big 12, Kansas State, uh, who's not in these top four uh, seeds as far as the top 16 overall goes. I would not be stunned when it's all said and done. Kansas State's like a three or four seed. At least, forget four seed. Yeah, maybe even a two or three seed. If they take home the Big 12 regular season crown and finish it up, maybe winning the, the Big 12 title or going to the championship game, I'd have Kansas State at least at least on the three line. What, what's your guys' thoughts on the, the Wildcats? I thought it was an impressive win, and, and that, that uh, Baylor game stung me a little bit. I lost pretty pretty uh, a pretty healthy amount on that game because – Baylor announced literally right before the game that their two best players weren't going to play. And I thought here I was thinking, oh, Baylor minus three. This is juicy. And uh, it turns out when you're missing your best guys, and Baylor's already got a couple guys out for the season, so they were just really shorthanded and hung in the game. But Kansas State with Dean Wade back, that's a that, that's a game changer for them. That, that's, a, that's a really impressive team with him. Yeah, and, and now seven straight covers in Big 12 play with Dean Wade back. Uh, the only hiccup being out of conference to, to A&M. So that's a team – Keep a little bit of an eye on, again, a Kansas State team that made a run last year to the lead eight. Uh, any closing thoughts here? Well, we, we, going back to that Villanova-Marquette thing, Villanova 1-3 uh, against the – or no, 0-3 against teams in that top 16. So when you, they lost to Kansas. Uh, they, they lost to Michigan, and, and now they've lost to Marquette. So with what's their, their signature win at this point, I guess, is Florida State. I don't know if that's good enough to warrant uh, to warrant putting them in over Marquette. I do think Villanova is one of the 16 best teams in the country, 
but I still don't think they're better than Marquette because they haven't proved it. Mm. I got a question for you guys. This involves Kansas. Do you think that the committee actually just put them in that spot? I'm looking at the schedule now, and I could see another loss or two. Do you think they're putting them in there so they don't have to end up saying, okay, Kansas, you're going to be an eight or a nine seed in the tournament because you have lost nine games this season? Do you think that they're trying to push them up there as far as possible so they end up getting you know, an easier first, maybe a second round game? Do you, what do you think about that? Because they are blue bloods. I, I think more often than not, the blue bloods get some credit. Although I think Kentucky's been screwed a few times uh, in, in the tournament. I mean, isn't, it, they were lucky isn't Villanova to make it, a blue blood at this point? Yeah, I would say, yeah, Villanova should be. That. Yeah, I, know, I don't know. I'm not inside that committee room. I, I don't know. I, here's what I, you know, my hypothesis is this. I think they're rewarding Kansas for playing the toughest schedule in the country so far. I think that, that, that's it. They're saying uh, a little hint, hint, go out and play people. Kansas has. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, again, it, it, what, how good it that, that has to have some merit, so I agree with them. But, you know, the, 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 the difference between Vegas and, and say like a, you know a portfolio who deserves to be in there or who's the best teams. I mean Vegas doesn't care about you know necessarily cares about wins and losses. But you know just because you lost the game uh, by a point that doesn't mean you're going to be downgraded in the ratings so, so far. And I, I think Vegas is telling you Kansas, especially without LeGerald Vick, is not in the top fifteen and borderline not in the top twenty. I think that's a big uh, you know factor why. You know, when it's all said and done, I like I like living here in Vegas because it's the Vegas truth, like RJ likes to say. Well, and and it's pretty clear that there's a it's a different Kansas team right now than it was early in the season because the team that was beating Michigan State and beating Tennessee and beating Villanova, it, that's not the same team that lost to West Virginia and yep. and uh you know it's it's a it's a different team right now and and I think not not having Azubuki is a a big deal uh, on that on that front. I, I think Kansas just beat up. And it's not, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they're necessarily a bad team yet. They're just, they're a good team that's that's struggling with injuries, and it, maybe they're they're saying, you know what, when healthy, this Kansas team belongs in this conversation. So maybe as they get healthy again, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, give them some respect. Fair enough. I then well said there by AJ. That's AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. That's at AJ is the real. Unless you guys got anything else, I think uh, that was a pretty solid podcast. You know, I had a question um, yeah. for AJ, actually. And do you know what happened with that UFC fight last night, why the entire main card was Oof. canceled? Yeah, Robert Whitaker, uh, he ends up, he he has to pull out of the fight seven hours before the pay-per-view, which is, I mean, that's just brutal uh, for the UFC, obviously. That, that probably cost him quite a bit of money uh it, it, you know as far as pay-per-views go it was really it was a pretty weak pay-per-view card to begin with and then when they lose that it's like oh boy this is uh this is tough and and he he wanted to fight they would not let him fight he ended up having to have an emergency surgery for a hernia and a twisted bowel mm-hmm. he was trying to go in there and fight with with his guts all twisted up and you know they said, listen, man, it's not just—it's just not safe. So he went and had emergency surgery. If everything goes right, he could be ready to fight in in six weeks. And if that's the case, then they'll probably set this one up again. But uh, that was a—it was a, a freak injury, and it it sucks, but it it happens. And if he would have fought, I mean, they they told him that if he fought, a blow to the stomach could be fatal. Uh, so they they said his colon and intestines had popped out. So it, it, I mean, it's a it's a crazy injury, 
but you're going to get things like that. Sometimes that's the fight game is guys get hurt and it, you, you expect guys to just go in there and fight anyway, but at this level, it's not the same as, you know, Michael Jordan going out there with the flu and playing. It's, it, I mean, every, every win and loss can, can have major impact on your career. Yeah, and obviously AJ's got the the MMA background. For for those of you that are just listening to the podcast for the uh, first time, a- AJ, a man uh, of many methods, former MMA fighter, and again at AJ is the real is his Twitter handle. You just heard Sleepy. You can follow him on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. That's at Sleepy J underscore pregame. And I'm merely Brad Powers at Brad Powers the number seven. You can find all the picks at pregame dot com. That'll do it here for the College Basketball Dream Podcast covering the Monday through Thursday games. We'll be back with you guys Friday morning with your next podcast. Take care. Enjoy the week.